I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Train Happy Podcast with me, Tally Rye. This is the podcast that helps you have a feel-good relationship with fitness, food, and body image. And this week, we are talking about all things dating. Now, it is February, it is the month of love, and it is technically Galentine's, the day this episode comes out. And we wanted to celebrate that. I think, obviously, with Valentine's, everyone's talking about being in couples, and yeah, that's great, but also, I think a big topic around, especially around body image and um, body confidence is definitely around attractiveness and dating and, you know, the insecurities that come with that. So this week's guest is the brilliant Michelle Elman, who is the author of her third book, The Selfish Romantic. And so we get into talking all about her dating story and her kind of tips and advice for people to be a selfish and empowered data and do it on their terms and not on the terms of other people. I really think this was such a great episode. And if you struggle with your confidence around dating, especially, and just all of that stuff, this is definitely an episode to listen to. But before we get into hearing from Michelle, let's hear from this week's Train Happy Trooper of the Week. Hi, Tally. It's me, Meg. My train happy moment this week was going out in the cold for a long walk, even though I really didn't want to. I got dressed up with my my best friend and we put on our scarves and everything. and We just went walking for like two hours and it was very exhausting, but very worth it. I felt very energized and it was a very good choice. So I'm glad I did it. Meg, I find this train happy moment really interesting because I think when we talk about intuitive movement, we often think like, of course, you're honoring your body. If you don't really want to go, then perhaps you shouldn't. And I think this is really interesting because sometimes you're going to want to rest and that's fine. And there are going to be other times when you do go for the walk, when you do go do the activity and you actually end up feeling really glad and grateful that you did. And I think we learn from both those instances, don't we? We learn from listening to our bodies and we learn from perhaps giving ourselves a gentle push through the kind of initial discomfort to go and do something that we feel like will be for the greater good in terms of your energy, your mental health and all that stuff as well. This is the nuance of intuitive movement and we could we could do a whole other episode on this, but I will just leave you with those thoughts for now. If you would like to be featured as Train Happy Trooper and share your Train Happy Moment with the lovely podcast people and myself, then please get in touch with us. Send us a voice note like Meg did or a text message to our WhatsApp. You can text 075-999-27537 and make sure you're following us on Instagram too at Train Happy Podcast. Okay. Enough from me, let's get into this very encouraging and inspiring and empowering conversation with Michelle Elman. Michelle, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. We're so happy to have you back. I refer to your last episode so much. I've recommended it to so many people. Lots of my clients are very familiar with you you because... In that conversation, I felt like we were talking about boundaries and talking about your relationship with exercise and how actually you're quite a naturally intuitive mover. Yeah. And it's just gone down really well. So thank you for that. You know what? I was doing my photo albums the other day. I started printing out physical copies and I saw a photo of our first meeting with your first podcast, like what, 2000 and. 
it must have been 2019, maybe? Yes, probably. Yeah, it was quite a while. So we've known each other for ages. I know. That was the first time we met was yeah. on the, the other podcast. <laughs> but I'm so glad to have you back. And we're talking now with your third book being published. I know. I keep joking, three before 30. It's just been a bit weird. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as someone who spent six years trying to get my first book out, it's just been an utter dream to just be able to keep writing. And that's all I've ever wanted to do. So... Having eight months writing this book was actually just like a lovely period of not having to be bothered by anyone around me. Mm. Like I didn't get emails for like eight months. It's bliss. What I love as well is that if you're similar age to Michelle and I, you're on TikTok especially, I just feel like you're really cutting into kind of like the zeitgeist of dating. And I say this as someone who's not dating, like I have been far removed from the dating pool for a while, but just what I'm aware of in terms of with my friends and what I see on social media and kind of the way dating is constantly evolving and changing and has really changed in the last few years. I feel like this book is so up to date with all of that. That's such a compliment. But I, to be honest, the reason why I wrote it in that way and addressed those things is because, I mean, I'm not so far removed from the dating scene. I was single for eight years, um, consciously single for about three and then dating mm. for five years. Um, and I got into a relationship about a year and a half ago. But even both dating and in a relationship, I found myself, especially landing on TikTok and thinking my relationship or my dating life was horrible because I'd watched some stupid TikTok about yeah. it. And what was worse is it wasn't the unqualified TikToks, you know, the people where it goes, oh, my therapist told me this, or whatever. It was actually the therapist TikToks, which were like, here are five things you need to know by the third date. And I'd be sitting there on my fourth date with a guy being like, <gasps> I don't know, this, 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 this. And it freaks you out. And it as much as it's really clickbaity content gets your attention and as a result gets a lot of views and always ends up on your For You page, it's just such a blanket statement to say that you should be able to answer five questions by any date. Mm. And every time I was going on the app, I was like, God, I, I wouldn't be in a relationship right now if I believed half this stuff. And I'm a life coach. I'm as qualified as half the people who are talking and sharing these things. And But you can't put this like really generic label on all relationships and think it's going to work in every context. Absolutely. And you know what? That's what I've taken most from your book is that we need nuance around a lot of these things. And I think you've really questioned that a lot in a really helpful way. And we'll get into all of it because, yeah, I have lots to ask. But for those who don't know, the book we are referring to is called The Selfish Romantic. And your previous book was called The Joy of Being Selfish. Yes. So this feels like a natural progression for you. Well, I think so. The Joy of Being Selfish was all about setting boundaries. And I just found the area of life which I struggled most with was my dating life and also I think it's where most people struggle with because it's the area of life where you want people to like you the mm. most, that where you care about someone's opinion the most. And if you care about someone's opinion, that's in a direct opposition to setting boundaries. You can't be a people pleaser and set boundaries. You've got to pick one. And so if you're selling your soul, getting this guy to like you, then sorry, but you're not going to have any boundaries. And so it was this thing of realising actually when my dating life changed was absolutely when I learned boundaries, but more so when I became really direct to my communication, I stopped second guessing and mind reading and all these things of does he like me, does he not? Just ask him. It's not that complicated. And as much as I repeat that sentence throughout the book a lot, like it's not that complicated, we're overcomplicating it. It's a lot simpler. It could be a lot simpler if you just ask instead of assuming. It took a long time to learn that. And it took a lot of unlearning what I guess women specifically are taught when it comes to dating, which is be the easygoing, low maintenance, the cool girl trope of you want to be just like the guys of not having to worry about this stuff. But actually trying to be low maintenance or easygoing was actually just sending a false perception of who I am because I'm not an easygoing person and I don't want to be. I think easygoing often means neglecting your own needs and that's where the selfish part comes in, that you have to be able to put your own opinion, your own beliefs before ultimately a stranger because when you're dating someone especially the first second third date they're strangers still even if you spent a three-hour first date they don't even know you're a fragment of the people in your life and so if you are letting their opinion affect you 
then that's putting yourself, disregarding your own needs. Whereas that's the part that the selfish definition people have an issue with because it's putting yourself first with the disregard of others. But it's actually not optional. It's a compulsory part of being able to take care of yourself. And I think it's really important to highlight the whole it's okay to have needs in a relationship and it's okay to communicate them. And actually, I think what a lot of what you're getting at is like the communication part is the most important part. And it's something that I have learned so much in my 20s of like being a terrible communicator for the first few years of my own relationship to now being better with sure there's room for improvement and actually I think what the selfish romantic does as well is it like it teaches you all of this stuff whilst you're dating so when you do get into the relationship you have that foundation where I didn't learn that because this book didn't exist and I kind of had to figure it out on my own and so you know it may be like three or four years into actually being in the relationship where we found our real communication flow and I think it's just great that we've already got this foundation here yeah but I do want to also say it's not your fault because women yeah. have been trained to be indirect communicators because we are always penalized for being direct communicators so you're called aggressive selfish mm, if you are true. a woman and a boss you get called worse words like beginning with b because you are you know what you want you say what you mean you mean what you say yet if a man were to do it while well, they're direct they're clear they're great communicators yet when it's woman, especially in the dating scene, it's like, oh, well, she's all of these words that are used against you. So, of course, you're going to learn how to talk behind people's back, gossip behind people's back. All of these things that have been told to us as like female traits, but they're not traits that we accidentally picked up. It's because we got trained to be that way. That is also true. That is also true. This episode is coming out the kind of week of Galentine's and Valentine's. And I want it to be and I want to touch on the kind of the particular part around where people I think when their biggest insecurities come on the ditching diet culture journey Mm. which is weight gain and it's your body size and it's like how that affects my attractiveness how that affects the dynamic of my relationship how that affects my dating prospects like that's one of the biggest things that I think the kind of overlap of sort of my work and your work and your previous work as well is like yeah okay so I'm on this journey of ditching diet culture and kind of reconnecting with myself and again but it feels like it's going to be at the expense of other people finding me attractive Mm. or other people loving me and you know I think that's why historically I've had a lot of questions around like wow you gained weight and Jack wants to marry you Mm. like what (laughs) because this is there's such a kind of cognitive dissonances I don't know if that's the the right phrase in this context of seeing that maybe it doesn't matter as much as we have told to believe it does yeah and I think the sad thing is that people think well Jack must be the minority or the rare exception to the rule and then also the people who don't think that must be thinking oh well then Jack uh Jack's a saint for putting up with it like your weight gain and it's just all of that messaging comes together and I've been on the receiving end of those kind of messages and actually the thing that hit home the most was getting into a relationship because my boyfriend has seen me post-eye surgery, has seen me in a hospital gown, has seen me drunk on the floor, like has seen me in the most unflattering positions and I did a post about it recently because I was like, if we are still going to date with the mentality that aesthetics is the thing that matters most, then you have to realise that relationship is not going to last very long because I don't know about you, but it's very hard to so-called keep up appearances long term in a relationship and I can't I think the 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 point in my relationship where the mask got like lifted was the third day he'd seen me after a funeral and I was like sobbing but the moment where like rock bottom is he found me in the shower crying after a brain scan which was the first brain scan I'd had in 10 years and I was like sorry but if this relationship was based around aesthetics how fragile would it be and so in this post I was saying your attract their attraction to you is not that fragile and if it is and they're going to be scared away the first sign of bedhead then like good riddance because sorry if you can't deal with the scars on my stomach how the hell are you going to deal with my surgery if you can't deal with my weight gain how the hell are you going to deal with me during pregnancy all of these things that happen in life if you can't deal with me having tears down my face how the hell are you going to help me with grief through life if you want something long term you are going to see me in all 
all versions and you need to be okay with that. And I think how it trickles down into our dating life is we think if someone stays with us, it's because of our appearance. But we also think if someone leaves us, it's because of our appearance. And way too many times with my life coaching client, someone ditches them after the third date, fourth date ghosts, doesn't give them an explanation and they go, it's because I'm ugly. It's because I look fatter in my fatter in real life than my pictures. And I'm just like, doesn't make sense. If they want to dump you on your appearance, they will dump you on your appearance on the first date because that's when they will know. And past that, your aesthetics doesn't matter after the first date. They know what you look like. And everything else is your own insecurity. So when you're like, yeah, but I was wearing a push-up bra and I was wearing Spanx. I'm sorry, Spanx and uh, push-up bras and all of these things want to sell you this idea that they drastically change your body shape. It can't change your body shape that much. And so when you're taking your top off for the first time, it isn't this big reveal that you think it is. The only reason you think it is, is because you have the own insecurity in your head. So you have the nightmare scenario of someone running out of the room screaming. But the reality is that's not going to happen because it's not that much of a shock. You're right. I think we often go to that biggest fear within ourselves, that biggest insecurity we have. And I think particularly speaking in the context of straight you know women that the the fear is like my body isn't good enough my body isn't as close to the beauty ideal as I would like it's not as thin as I think it should be I've got wobbly bits I've got cellulite I've got stretch marks I've got blah 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 and so we're told that all of those things are problems and that you know diet culture has the solution and so if those things are seen in the dating context then like oh it's a no-brainer of course they're not interested in you but I think you're right why would you entertain someone who okay so someone does kind of fall at the first hurdle and is like Mm. no I'm not interested in that then good riddance that's on them exactly like why why would we want to entertain that further you know also I bloody hope the first thing that my boyfriend doesn't say why do you like Michelle the first thing is oh because she's beautiful well one day that might go like sorry but I might change appearances one day hopefully that's not the only reason why you're in this but I also think it's interesting everything I just said because it's coming from the point of view of a person who actually I might not wear Spanx and I might not have a push-up bra, but I do have surgery scars on my stomach that you would be none the wiser to until I take my top off. And it was only once I got okay with actually telling the story of my surgeries that I get okay with the surgery scars. But then more so than that, realizing, oh, I'm the one who's insecure. So actually let's just try not mentioning it. And in the same way that I always say, like if you're insecure about your thighs and you walk around going, guys, my thighs are so fat. What do you think everyone in the room is doing looking at your thighs? The one body part that you don't want anyone to notice you are literally pointing out. And sorry, but it's just instinct. If someone says, look at how fat my thighs are, you're gonna look, Um, even if you don't care, even if you're not interested, even if you never thought about it before. And so I was going into these bedroom situations, not mentioning my scars. I can tell you 90% of people never asked a question, did not care. The 10% who did made a comment, something like, oh wow, what happened? And was genuine curiosity, genuine empathy. I've never had a bad experience around my scars. And it's because I actually let myself be in that position until that point, I was the one making it awkward. So I was the person on the way to, like it would be the third day classic thing, walking home and I'd be like, I, I, I tell a story in the book where, um, I'm walking home and he's mentioning how his brother's really dyspraxic. So I tripped over him and then he was like, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm really dyspraxic. And he was like, don't worry, my brother is too. Um, and then I went, oh, by the way, I've also had a brain tumor, a puncture intestine, obstructed balasis to my brain, a condition called hydrocephalus. And it was just because I was so nervous. I felt like I had to give a disclaimer. And the guy just stared at me like, whoa because it was a huge list of information and a huge overshare, which I didn't need to do. But I was so worried if I didn't say something beforehand, that actually the word I used at the time was that I was deceiving them. But you aren't deceiving someone by letting someone learn more information about you at a later date. There's a difference between privacy and honesty and you don't have to disclose everything and your body does not need a disclaimer, no matter what scars you have on your stomach or whatever's hidden by clothing. What you're saying there, I think, is just really helpful in the whole feeling like you have to preempt every scenario. And I think people do that preempting because they're trying to avoid being hurt, because Mm. they're trying to avoid that part 
of the whole kind of putting yourself out there process and you know the kind of way you describe in the book is like it's almost like a false sense of vulnerability because it's more of a word vomit of like yeah. hey I've got all these things just FYI rather like and doing it straight off the bat in a kind of so leave now in case anyone's freaked out and they're not going to be able to deal with it rather than you say like talking about it over time when it actually feels more appropriate and comfortable and kind of more right for that you know that relationship also it's almost trying to catch someone out imagine being on the receiving end of that someone's just blurted out their medical record that person is now heavily judging every facial reaction every movement in that moment when actually you're quite drunk walking home and you just wanted a night with a girl and now you don't know how to react and someone's really like assessing your sudden reaction and you've just been given this huge amount of information it's a lot and it's this as you said it's this mentality of if I say it first then like then they're warned and so they can't hurt me as much but the truth is if someone actually did walk into the bedroom and run out screaming like this worst case scenario in my head because of my scars that's going to hurt whether I've warned them of the, of my scars or not. So with that guy, I remember then when we went to the bedroom, I took my, and I was like, are you ready? Like, I literally said, like, as if I was like, are you ready to reveal like some super villain, like the scars on my stomach and obviously like super villains and scars are so associated thanks to our media. Wonderful. Um, but I was like, it's not this huge reveal. And also it's still going to hurt. Getting rejected hurts. And that's the part which... I feel like a lot of this TikTok narrative around our love life has come from is if you do all of these right steps, if you uh, look out for red flags, the warning signs enough, you aren't going to get hurt. But frankly, in two humans interacting, there is always a potential for hurt. And when you add romance, when you add love life into that, it's even more amped up. And you have to be okay with the fact you can't trust what they're going to do in a relationship, especially like fourth, fifth date. Sorry, I use the term relationship quite loosely because I don't believe in a hierarchy. So when I say relationship, I also mean like first date, second date. And even on a fourth date, fifth date, you can't trust that person. But what you can trust is that you're going to be okay no matter what, that you've survived every ending of a relationship beforehand, every ghosting beforehand, every time someone stood you up and you're gonna be okay. And I make this joke in the book that like I got stood up twice in my eight years of dating. Thankfully not in a public place both times, but I did get stood up both times. And I was like, you haven't dated enough if you haven't got stood up. And I just made a plan with a friend and went and did something fun with my day rather than staying home and being miserable because it's not a reflection of me. No matter how much I didn't like a guy, I would never stand them up because it's just not in my morals. It's not in my values and it's not how I communicate. So why would I let that one person dictate my whole eight years of dating? It was two negative experiences out of eight years. That's pretty good going. And I like hearing that. We had... um. Bethany Rutter on the podcast before and she was talking about how you know she's a plus-size woman working out going to fitness classes and the whole narrative is like oh you're gonna really encounter a lot of fat phobia and it's gonna be really tough and just watch out for xyz and blah 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 and she was like do you know what I've actually never had a bad experience and it kind of reminds me of the same thing of going like when you hear a lot of these negative experiences and you spoke about in the book as well which I thought was really this is really important and I really want to get this across is how you were saying you know I'm mixed race I have scars and plus size the only questions being asked to me about dating or this are often like of my traumatic negative experiences and it's like I'm only listened to when it's like the negative stuff or that's kind of only what people are interested in hearing about and what you're telling me now is like look I just need you to know that it's actually often not as bad as it's made out to be or in your head but yeah the story I start the book with was actually the motivation of writing the book was the fact I was sitting on this panel and it was International Women's Day which just made it even more ironic I'm like oh how empowering the two questions you've asked about my love life and like it wasn't even a love life panel but it came up was have you ever been body shamed and have you ever been fetishized and again I'd been single for eight years I had to actually go back to an experience when I was 18 years old. One was the first guy I ever went on a date with and one was the first guy I was in a relationship with to recall those memories. And as a result, it paints a tainted picture because I'm not able to tell you any of the stories about the eight years since because you're asking for a very specific memory. 
the thing that really annoyed me was no one else was asked that question. Mm. Obviously, in some way, because they couldn't. Some people were thin. So, I mean, thin people get body shamed, but like the assumptions are not there. And some people on the panel were white, so they were not going to be fetishized for their race, at least. And it was just this frustration of like, okay, so my time on this panel is telling you the negative stories. And if I'm a mixed race plus size scarred person sitting in the audience, what am I going to take away from this? How exactly is this empowering for me? And it's also just false because I couldn't tell you about the great date I had last week. I couldn't tell you that last week I went on three dates uh, with three different guys and they were all amazing, but I'm probably not going to go on a second date because I can't really be bothered or whatever it was. It was just like, I wasn't even given the permission to tell you how fun my dating life is. And sometimes International Women's Day talks don't, don't have to be like heavy and serious. It's just the potential of actually you could have a good time. Um, and it was being put in this very like narrow box. So a big motivation of writing the book was like it's possible but it's also not just possible for the beauty ideal and someone Mm. who loves you long term or someone who likes you enough to go on another date doesn't see you as all the labels that society wants to convince you that you are and I know when I say this a lot of people go well if you have if you've only had one body shame experience or you've only been fetishized once it's because you're mixed race or because you you're size 20 and there are people bigger than you 100% accept that I accept that exists in the world but what I also know is you don't want to be dating that person so good riddance you find out on a first date because frankly if I was thin if I was a size six I wouldn't want to be dating someone who is fat phobic the only difference is I would find out they're fat phobic on the 10th date I wouldn't find out on the first date because I'm not fat so you can see it as like a filtering system you just find out sooner and yes that might mean if you don't fit the beauty ideal you won't get as many first dates but I think and this is not actually statistics that I've done based on research but I would bet if you actually researched it the number of fifth dates the number of 10th dates that you get just about the same because after that point it's all about your personality and it's about how you actually are in a relationship and I think the other part that I really wanted to hit home with this book was that when people think about working on their love life they think about changing their bodies more than changing how they actually date which doesn't make sense it's almost like when people go to the gym to lose weight and I'm like no well why don't you go to the gym to actually work on your fitness that's a direct correlation whereas you losing weight and you going to the gym is not directly correlated in the same way that changing your body is not directly correlated to having a better love life but if you change your communication style you change how you can apologize when you're in a conflict you can be more direct in your communication all of that will have a direct impact on your love life can we just give michelle a clap there? because <laughs> i think that is so true and that is exactly the kind of connection i wanted to make and what i think is so important is like you don't have to change your body to meet someone who values you for who you are. Mm. And actually, sometimes it's more about how we view ourselves and the kind of confidence we have in ourselves. And, you know, you teach a lot of skills in terms of like increasing communication and all those sorts of things. That is what is going to help you feel more empowered in your dating life. And you talk about being an empowered data. How do you define and empowered data. So that term came out, I made a quick Instagram because um, someone cancelled a third date with me when we were meant to be going bouldering and bouldering was his favourite favorite hobby. And I was like, oh, I've never tried bouldering. I'd love to try it. And we were going to go on a rock climbing date and he cancelled. And I cared more about the rock climbing than I did about the date. So I wrote a list of every date that I've been promised to go on. And then the guy bailed, um, which included things like mini golf with a professional golfer who, again, bailed on the third date. And I didn't end up going to mini golf with him. And I was like, that would have been really fun. And I did all I wrote this whole list and I went through the list and did every single thing and it was silly things like I was like oh one day when I'm in a relationship I'll go see the sky garden because it's so romantic I can go to the sky garden alone and so I was like this is the new dating it's empowered dating and it was just this joke and then you know I was like you know what it's so hard to date without your self-esteem being affected it's a lot easier to be single because you aren't having someone's opinion come into you and every time you your rejection wound coming up and all of this stuff it does fluctuate with your body image and your appearance and your self-esteem and all of these things 
And also with being in a relationship, there's a lot more certainty there because you're relying on one person who you should hopefully trust by that point. But the dating part, I was like, there are so many vulnerable moments where you you feel bad about yourself, but maybe it's because I'm actually stopping myself from living the life I want to live single. And what if I love my life and someone's just a bonus to add to it? And I know that's a cliche, but it actually became real for me when I um, got stood up that day. And I was like, you know what? That day I got stood up, I had a photo shoot beforehand and I had a photo shoot after. I had a two hour window and I'd literally give him my two hour window and was like, and then I need to be after a meeting. So you need to leave by this time. And he never turned up and I was like, okay, well off to my photo shoot. And I had a great day anyway, because I had a full day and I had a full life. I didn't actually have time to worry about that guy because I had a date two days later with someone else like it was just learning how to not let my self-esteem I mean the subtitle says it all how to date without feeling bad about yourself I was so bored of feeling bad about myself because I let some stranger come into my life and then dictate my mood you know what they say and I've had this conversation and I certainly had this mindset early on in my kind of dating life is that I was always just accepting the first thing that came along and showed interest in me Mm. And I never considered what I actually liked or wanted in a relationship or what I wanted in a guy. I kind of had a list, but at the end of the day, you know, someone showing interest in me trumped that because I had this whole set of insecurities that I had of like, oh, you know, whatever. And suddenly getting all this interest was like, oh, well, then I'll just accept anything. Um, And the bar was low, guys. The bar was low. What I'm loving about this empowered dating is... The idea that I want my life to be full. Mm. I want my life to be rich and full and loving and it can have so much love in it. And it might not be the romantic love that we see in the dynamic of a, you know, romantic relationship, but I can have it with my friendships. I can Mm. have it with my loved ones. I can, you know, go and do these things that, like you say, like go and play mini golf, go and do the rock climbing that you kind of reserve for like, oh, only couples do that or that's only a date activity. It's like, I can do all of these things anyway. Like I don't need to wait for that person to travel. Mm. I don't need to wait for that person to... I don't know, go and see that movie. I could go and do it on my own. And actually that builds a lot of confidence in yourself. You know, the kind of phrase, like the very cliched phrase, like you complete me. Mm. You're not waiting for that person to complete you. It's like, you're good. And this person may come along and it feels great, but also like you're good, you know? Well, so when you're doing all the things alone, you remove this possibility of being alone for the rest of your life is the worst nightmare. That we say that like being alone is the worst case scenario. Actually, it's not that bad being stuck with yourself if you like yourself. If you don't like yourself, then that is a worst case scenario. And by doing all of these things alone, and some of them I did with friends. So the rock climbing I did with friends, very quickly learned, I'm scared of heights, didn't go very well. (laughs) And was like, thank God I'm not doing this on a date. But some of the things I did alone, and sometimes it was just seeing that movie, but sitting on my sofa by myself and actually making the effort I would have made if a date had come over. So I would have like lit the candles or bothered to plug my laptop into the TV so it was on the big screen and not like watching my laptop on my lap. Um, All of the things I realized I would make effort for if my friends came over or if a date came over, I actually started doing for myself. And that's where a lot of the time we think, oh, I'll love myself, then I'll spend time with myself. And it's the other way around. You can't love yourself if you don't know yourself and you can't know yourself if you've not spent any time with yourself. So actually creating some time to have alone time. And it's one of the best things I do now in a relationship is I protect my alone time fiercely. And before my friends, before my partner, I get my time first and then anything left over they get. And it's just a healthier mentality to look at you first, take yourself, take care of yourself. You remove that job off your off everyone else's list. And then when you have more to give, you give it to the other people around you. And you know what? They don't have to worry about you because they know that you're going to be honest if something's too much, if you're angry at them, all of these things. And one of the best things about boundaries when it comes to your love life, but in general, is that it simplifies everything thing that my life was so chaotic before because I was always spending time worrying about like what someone thought of me or are they angry at me and it was just like no because if they're angry at me they can tell me and if they can't tell me then that's their fault they can't communicate 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mum's the Word is a brand new parenting podcast hosted by me, Ashley James. Pregnancy, piles, and all the other problems that come with parenting, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Join me each week on my journey through motherhood as we celebrate the amazing highs as well as the lows. As it's my first time, we'll have celebrities, experts, and hopefully you guys too who'll help me figure out what the hell I'm supposed to be doing. Find us wherever you got this podcast. I want to rewind a little bit to what you were saying about about not necessarily liking yourself and knowing yourself because I have a feeling there's probably plenty of people listening here who have probably struggled with that relationship with themselves. How do we begin figuring out who we are and what we like and you know getting to know ourselves and what we really value and you know what we really do like about ourselves? How do we even start that process? It actually really started for me Uh, So my first relationship was quite an awful one. I wanted the relationship for the sake of the relationship. All my friends were in a relationship and I was really insecure about the fact that I wasn't in one and I thought it made me stand out in a way I didn't want to stand out. Like it made me unlovable, it made me undateable, it was because of what I looked like, all of these things. And it was dialing back to what you said of like, it was actually this moment, I was very close to breaking up with my boyfriend because he hadn't spoken to me for four weeks. He ended up not speaking to me for six weeks before I eventually broke up with him. So it was very much backed in a corner to break up with him. Kind of think he did the breaking up, just didn't communicate it. Um, but one of my friends said to me, do you even like him? And I was like, I don't know, I'm not asked myself that question. And it's what you said of like, I was so concerned that he liked me that it didn't occur to me to ask whether I liked him back, whether I actually liked him as a person. And actually, if I how I described him to people at the time is, oh, well, I'm really optimistic and he's really pessimistic. So it's kind of like balances out. And also he has this like motto, which is uh, fuck people over before they fuck you over. Sorry, I'm not sure I'm allowed to swear. Of course you are. (laughs) Fuck fuck people over before they fuck you over. So it's quite nice that we like balance each other. Sorry, what? Like, how is that how you describe your boyfriend to people? And um, it was true. That was his life motto. And God knows he tried. But it was that realisation of like, wow, I cared so little about my own opinion that I didn't even bother to ask myself. And it's this message that I think specifically if you're marginalised, you get given of like beggars can't be choosers, except Mm. what you're given. If someone loves you, you should be grateful because they're willing to overlook your body and they love you in spite of your body. Well, sorry, no, like I'm a full package. Like, yes, you're not in a relationship with a body, but you are in relationship with a whole human that comes in a body um and shortly after that relationship it was another question that really pivoted my mindset and it was someone asking me would you date you and I was like no and what was more shocking at the time because I was very much still heavily in diet culture was the first thing that didn't come to mind was I wouldn't date me because of what I look like all the reasons why I wouldn't date me what all things to do with not my personality but how I am in a relationship um so like the fact that I was I I go silent when I'm angry or um how 
I would drop everything for that person. And I realized actually from the other person's point of view, if you're in a relationship with someone who drops everything for you, it's quite unattractive because they don't, they don't have their own life. They aren't, they don't have things that are more important than you. And that's a lot of pressure as well for someone to always be at, well, his words were beck and call, which was a horrible way of putting it. But it was also a wake up call I needed of like, I'm never going to let anyone treat me like that. And that's essentially what boundaries are. Boundaries are how we teach the world to treat us and what is and isn't acceptable. And when I had that moment where you said, oh, you're always at my beck and call, it was this realization of how have I got to a point in a relationship with a person who believes it's okay to not just think this, but speak to me like this? And what have I done wrong in order to stay in this situation? And it was realizing that I needed to raise the standard of how I was being treated. And that that is where you start. You start with the everyday behavior. When someone speaks to you badly, whether it's your love life or not, you actually saying, don't speak to me like that. And it's the the first time that was said to me was by my life coach. I was telling her a story and she was like, why didn't you turn to them and say, don't speak to me like that? And it was almost like someone was speaking French to me because genuinely I was like, oh, I didn't know you could say that. Like, obviously I knew those words string together to form a sentence, but like, it just didn't occur to me. And it won't occur to you if you've never learned boundaries before, but learning things like you can actually say, no, that doesn't work for me when someone plans a date, like, 2am the night before or someone plans a date two minutes away from their house but two hours away from yours all of these things were what started changing my dating life and ultimately it comes down to when I started feeling bad I wouldn't question it or undermine how I was feeling and going I shouldn't be feeling bad in my dating life and of course that needs a bit of nuance because long term you will have moments where you're in conflict and it's it's really tough to stay in it and really tough to keep having the conversation when all you want to do is run but first date second date third date it shouldn't be that hard in that you someone shouldn't be making you feel bad about yourself and if someone is run genuinely because that is like I've never seen that improve if someone is hurtful within conflicts like that is something to learn how to communicate but if it's not in a conflict and someone just like makes nagging comments makes comments about your parents all of these things the things that now I'm able to see from an objective lens of that's not a person I want to date I love what you said in the book about self-care as well and I think this kind of links really nicely into the how do I start liking myself and setting those boundaries and everything and you described self-care as kind of parenting yourself Mm. and I'd never heard it put like that before and I was like Oh my goodness, this is amazing. Can you please share that definition that you have? Because I think this is a real game changer. So I hate wishy-washy definitions. And like, I just got so bored of words like self-love and self-care because I was like, what does it mean? And then I was like, okay, well, what does it mean to me? And what it means to me is the things you would do for your child. So I would never let my hypothetical child, because I don't have children, but <laughs> I wouldn't let my my hypothetical child stay up till midnight if they have work the next morning. So self-care is actually being that adult and being like, okay, you you have a meeting at nine o'clock tomorrow morning, let's not stay up till two in the morning. Or I would never schedule my child's calendar to have something every single night because I know they'll be exhausted. So why are you doing it to yourself? Um, I would never let my child work till like two in the morning. So why are you doing it to yourself? All of these things. And sometimes it's doing the really boring things. And that's why I say it's the parent in you as well, because sometimes it's actually cancelling all that really fun thing to do and being like, no, you have to do your taxes. Um, And so it's it's a very practical thing. And I mean, it's also the parent of like, if someone was treating my child badly and bullying them in the playground, I wouldn't let that child then go and play at their house. So why are you going to that guy's house who's just said awful things to you? Um, And why are you keeping their number? So the parent in you goes, no, you're not allowed access to that person. I know you want to still see them. I know you want to get them to like you. I know you want their approval because they've rejected you, but I'm going to be the parent and delete my number because there will be a moment, just like children, there will be a moment where like they, they will want to do something that's going to hurt them I know at two o'clock in the morning I will want to send that drunk text to that person and it's the first person I'm going to think of so remove it when we think of dating in 2023 we're thinking of swiping we're thinking of dming we're thinking of apps yeah and you know truth be told I met Jack on an app um you know mine on an app yeah um and that was like you know almost nine years ago (laughs) so (laughs) 
apps have been they're here to stay yeah what do we need to know so the main thing is dating profiles and this is where i I do say Mm. no offense but i say don't take advice from anyone who's been in a relationship like I think that's long fair. term because I think that's like totally it's, the landscape's changed, and I just think you can't get dating. I mean, you're within the bracket because you were still around. Around, but it's changed. It's it has changed, changed. But I mean, I also say that as a person who, if it was nine years ago, it was actually the same time when I got into a relation. My first relationship was off a dating app too, and the difference within that was there was one dating app at the time. It wasn't used for sex. That same dating app now is more sexual. Um, But also there are many apps out there and people are more savvy with these apps. Whereas I remember when I was still, the first dating app I got, I was 20 years old and it was still, you were very cautious. Like most of my friends weren't even meeting people off these apps. They were just messaging them. Um, But I think the biggest hurdle and why I say don't take your advice from people who haven't dated recently is, and I'm now (laughs) tipping toeing on that edge now because I've been in a relationship for a year and a half, but is because of dating profiles. It's so much more complex what goes on your dating profile. Dating profiles now have voice notes. Dating profiles have all sorts of things, videos that you can put on and it gets confusing what to put on there. So the first thing I say around dating apps is be your everyday self, not your best self. This idea that we should put our best foot forward is unrealistic. I'm a person who in my job, I go to professional photo shoots with professional hair and professional makeup. If I wanted to put those photos and those videos up and be the, my most impressive self, I absolutely could. But what do you think is going to happen when I turn up on the date without any makeup because I don't wear makeup 90% of the time? And it that's where I say you are setting yourself up for failure when you are presenting an image of yourself that isn't realistic and it's all based off these old dating app philosophy uh, dating book philosophies so most dating books the, the theory is get them hooked within three months you can then be yourself but too late because they're hooked and in your relationship well sorry I don't want to deceive someone or manipulate someone into being in a relationship with me so I would put photos full body photos because I'm plus size but I also think everyone should put full body photos I would put photos uh, where I was actually bigger than I that am now or look bigger than I am now so I don't have to go on a date worrying well do they are they going to be worrying about my weight I had 50% of my photos were makeup free and it's not that I don't put makeup on for a first date sometimes I did sometimes I didn't but long term if you're going to date me and this is not any judgment so it's not there's nothing wrong like half of my friends are people who like put on makeup for fun in the pandemic I'm just not that person so if you're looking for that kind of girl go for it but I'm not going to fit that category so um an example I use within the book is like we we were getting ready to go out uh one morning for breakfast but he was on the way to go to some sports match so he was in a rush and I was like okay but my hair's wet and I'm wearing trackies so I can leave now or you're gonna have to give me an hour to get ready um and he was like leave now and it's because we're matched in that way he doesn't care what I look like he doesn't care that I'm leaving the house in trackies he doesn't care that I'm leaving my house wet some people would care and that doesn't make them wrong that doesn't make them shallow but that person needs to be with the the woman who wants to take an hour to get ready whereas I don't particularly want to spend an hour to get ready anyway to go out for breakfast and then come straight home and so it's about being suited to each other and we have to get rid of this mentality of the most matches is best and think more about the accurate matches is best so you want your profile to turn people off as well quality over quantity yes weed out the people you don't want to attract by being your truest self Mm. because if you try to put on a facade or try to appeal to who you how you think people should perceive you you're not going to be getting the ones that are most suited to you also because if you think about what's in your head as what makes you most dateable or most attractive you are actually abiding by the societal norms the beauty standard and actually none of it's true so I don't know about you but the main things I always got told about my personality was I'm really loud men don't like loud women I'm really opinionated men don't like opinionated women men are not a monolith some men don't like loud women some men don't like opinionated women but if that man goes on a first date with me, spend 10 minutes with me, the guys are going to know he's not interested. So it might as well come across in my profile. I say in my profile I'm opinionated. I say in my profile that I'm loud. I have an obnoxiously loud laugh and like things like that. 
if you're going to be turned off by it, I'd rather you be turned off by my profile than me in person because you're just wasting my time at this point. And so in order to attract the guy who is attracted to loud women, I need to actually be loud. But if I'm so busy pretending to be the stereotype of the dateable, lovable woman, I wouldn't be loud. And so I'd go on so many second, third dates with people trying to be quiet, which not only is more work and effort for me on those dates to be something I'm not, but then I'm going to be more disheartened because I've wasted even more time, put more energy. And at the end of the day, this might be harsh, but it would be my fault because I was the person not presenting the real me. And I was pretending to be something else. It's almost how I talk about with boundaries, when you first start setting them, you will lose people in your life, especially friends. Um, I lost a lot of friends when I started setting uh, boundaries. And actually, it got to a point where I stopped taking it personally because I realised they'd signed... Let's imagine friendships and relationships are contracts. They signed a contract with someone who was a pushover. They signed a contract with someone who was easygoing, people pleaser, didn't mind every time you were trying to order a takeaway, like never really had any opinions. And then overnight, I became an opinionated, loud um person with loads of boundaries that's not the contract they signed so of course they didn't want to be in the relationship anymore and what i'm saying is that with romantic relationships with friendships if you actually are who you are from the get-go at least you're both on the same page at least you've both signed the same contract whereas if you reveal yourself three dates in you've wasted more time you've wasted more energy and it hurts a hell of a lot more because you've set yourself up for that failure I think that's really helpful. Someone had sent a a question in and they were saying along the lines of apps as well, like, what do you think about when when guys say... I want to find a healthy partner and they obviously mean thin but Next, you're in a bigger like, body. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. This is the thing, like, do we feel like just filter it out off the bat? Like like you said, you could be a size six, like a you know, very kind of naturally thin, fit the very beauty ideal, but one of your values is like Mm. you don't you know you don't believe in fat phobia you want to fight it you want to fight the kind of stigma around bodies and stuff but you don't find out necessarily someone's fat phobic until a while down the road but if you're in a bigger body like you get it straight off the bat like you just know yeah how do we weed these guys out like what other tips do you have for people who and I say this because I imagine this person is asking it because they've seen someone who they think is very attractive Mm. on an app and they're like oh yeah they're fat phobic yeah well there are lots of attractive people in the world it's fine you'll find another but um, when it comes to like if it says healthy on their profile and it's not the fact that I'm not healthy because I go to the gym Uh, five times a week let's I mean come on it's never it's never about health Michelle it's just trying to feel a little less offensive absolutely but you know what that is code for. Like, oh, absolutely. If you're on a big body, you know what that's code for. So just get rid of it. It's the same with if I match someone and the first comment is love a curvier woman, gone. Sorry, but the first comment you send me shouldn't be on my appearance. If it is, that's where you fall into the realm of potentially being able to fetishize me. And frankly, I don't have the time. So people, you have to understand when you're swiping on apps, people swipe quickly. People get rid of matches quickly. People unmatch you quickly. All of these things... I'm sorry, but even one of these red flags, you're gone. I'll even go as far as to say, if someone has a gym selfie, I tend to get rid of them because to me, and these are assumptions, but that means you prioritize the gym over our dates. That means like if it's on your profile, it's a big enough part of your personality that I actually don't want to date you. And if you say things like healthy, I also don't want to spend my time justifying it. I shouldn't actually have to go on a date and say, I'm plus size, but by the way, I'm a good fatty because I go to the gym five times a week and I actually work out more than most of my fame friends. But I'm not going to say that because like, if I have to even get to the point of justifying it, this is not a conversation that we should be having on the first date, let alone on the fifth date. I think my boyfriend only discovered that I go to the gym as often as I do, like when he actually spent a week with me and was like, wow, you actually go to the gym a lot. And I was like, yeah, I just always did when I'm not with you because you don't like the gym. So it was, it's all of those things, you do pick up on it. The reason why you ignore it is why you end up on a date with someone body shaming you. We ignore it because we think the only way someone likes us is by, there's one of two options. They either say something horrific or they compliment us on like, but actually there are the people who just don't comment on it. And those are the people I tend to go for. So if there is any comment around my weight, I've had a number of comments over the years. um, And I don't count those as body shaming comments because like, 
it's the same as someone commenting on it on Instagram because I don't actually end up on dates with those people. Um, and I there's one thing I say a lot, which is like everyone attracts dickheads, but it's whether you you keep them in your life that's the difference Mm. and if you have self-esteem you get rid of them and if you know your worth and someone says something like that you're and you don't have the part of your brain that goes oh but they're really attractive you have the part of your brain going I'll find someone else attractive but that that all of that I kind of stay away with because realistically most people are still in diet culture so like this might be really judgmental of me but if a lot of their prompts are around fitness and exercise I actually swipe no because I'm just like you know what, like, I don't want to fight these stereotypes. And that might be an overarching thing and means I got rid of some people who would have been more open to it. But I'm also a person who, yes, I go to the gym five times a week, but I'm also the kind of person who will cancel a gym session in order to go on a date or to go see my friends. Like the gym is lower on my priority list. And if I work out four times instead of five times, it's not a big deal to me. But the gym is lower on my priority list than the people in my life. And I also want someone who has the same perspective of that. And it's fine if your gym is your top priority and you want to do gym dates. I personally don't want gym dates. I don't want to talk to anyone in the gym. Um, And so that's also why I get rid of people sooner when it comes to like any sort of those comments or like even things like, oh, I love hiking. And I'm just like, "Mm, my everyday Sunday is not hiking. Like I will go to the gym if I want to work out, but I don't want I don't want to go on a three hour hike with you. Sorry. So it's about all of those things. But if you think about it, it's like if someone doesn't like festivals, if someone doesn't like traveling, like there are so many things that weed people out. We just tend to hyper focus on the aesthetics things that weed people out. Kind of make a list of like what you are interested in and like Mm. what kind of maybe common interests you're looking for and like the certain stuff that like isn't for you Mm. as well. And I just wonder if I think we kind of naturally, because the way we've kind of been conditioned, we're always looking, we're always seeking for that approval and that validation and connection um from the people who are least likely to give it to us you know I think this is why we focus on how many people unmatch us but we don't actually think about how many people you've unmatched how many people you've swiped no on like you've turned down a lot of people you've some people use the word rejected a lot of people but you're only focusing on the people who've rejected you and when it comes to rejection the reason why I say I don't like using that word is because I think in order to reject someone, they have to know you and they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting your profile in the same way that I'm an author. So like when a manuscript gets rejected, my manuscript's getting rejected. I'm not getting rejected. It's not personal. They've not met me. They don't know me. They can't see me. They're only seeing my writing. And it's the same with your profile. Like hopefully your profile is an accurate reflection of you. But even if it's the most accurate uh, representation of you, it's still only what five percent of you ten percent of you um and you have to trust that other person's judgment in the same way you trust your own so if they swipe no you're not going to be able to ask them like well why did you swipe no but let's say why they swipe no is because you like hiking and they don't so what you're not going to suddenly like hiking like you're not going to change your life to get them back and if you did do that again it's not sustainable it's not maintaining um something that actually you can keep up with if you are dating and you yeah things maybe don't work out maybe you're not interested or i don't know there's things kind of fizzle out and end and don't kind of get past maybe i know date five six seven that can still really suck (laughs) it really hurts how do we how do we deal with that You take time if you need it, you feel the hurt, you don't judge your hurt, which a lot of people do with sentences like, well, it wasn't even that serious, we weren't even official, like it wasn't even a relationship, Why? like that's you judging your hurt, you're not going to be able to feel it and actually let that pain sit there if you are so judgmental of it and you don't need the official label, you don't need the exclusivity or any of those things. I've been on first dates that have hurt more than three month things. I've been on dates that where the first date didn't happen. I remember right before the right before I met my boyfriend, I had four first dates cancel in a row in one week. And it bloody hurt. And I was like, I've not even met these guys. And obviously it's still within myself. Like I do the judgmental thing and I'm like, I've not even met these guys. Why am I so upset? Well, you're upset because the day of your date, you st- I get very excited. Like I wake up and I'm like, I have a date today. 
and then it's that crash and it's happening four times in a row with four different people. By the time I went on a date with with my boyfriend who ended up being my boyfriend, that morning I was like, I'm ready for him to cancel. Like, and it, every single person canceled saying they, were te- they tested posit- positive with COVID. And I was like, yeah, right. Like, but you're allowed to feel disappointed. It doesn't matter whether you didn't know them. It doesn't matter whether you went on a date or not. Um, and then the next part is if you need time, you need time. And sometimes, you, and again, it's not always going to make sense. The other part is actually understanding that usually what I realised is usually how much it hurts is more correlated to the intensity of the relationship than the length of the relationship. So when it was like you went from nothing to texting all day, every day, that hurt a lot more than something that was a lot more gradual. Um but ultimately it doesn't matter why it hurts or why it hurts more and why it hurts less. It just matters that it does hurt. Um, and then you want to actually give yourself time to heal because the worst thing you can do is going back into dating with that skeptical, like, oh, they're going to cancel on me. Oh, this isn't going to work out mentality. All guys are the same. All men you are know, trash. They're all just going to hurt me. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just not going to find, like, you're not going to see it. And it's that thing of, like, if I ask you to close your eyes and name all the blue things in the room and then you open your eyes and I said, name all the pink things in the room, you wouldn't be able to do it because it's the same with guys. So if I'm like, well, notice all the trash men in the room, you close your eyes, I'm like, where were the good men? You're not going to notice it. It's just how our brains work. Your eyes have something called the reticular activation system. And if you're saying a belief like all men are trash, your brain will notice every time you see a tweet about a trash man. Like you, you will notice every time your friend has been dumped, but you aren't going to remember the stories where like your friend's boyfriend picked them up at the hospital and all these good stories. And you're filtering your world without realizing it because you've told your brain pay attention to this and that's all you're noticing when actually at the end of the day if he is um, if that guy is trash you don't want them in your life anyway so thank them for it tell them good riddance and then the best part I the best thing I learned how to do was after every guy whether it was one date that didn't happen or it was five months was I actually wrote a list of everything I've learned from the situation and like some of them were really obvious. I remember one of them was literally like, um, if they don't ask you on a second date, they don't want a second date. And like, but it became this amazing fact file of all the things I'd learned along the way. Um, and I wrote all the things that I didn't notice at the time, all the things I would have done differently. And as a result, it helped me focus on the opportunity for growth rather than the pain or the regret around it or it was and I it also got rid of that mentality that it's a waste of time just because it ended this has been such a helpful conversation and we could talk for plenty more hours but you wrote a whole book about this so (laughs) I think people need to like dig into that because there's I mean we've barely scratched the surface like there's so much more in here (laughs) like it's a beefy book but yeah what kind of do you have a a phrase or a word you would give to kind of encourage the daters out there um who maybe need a bit of a kind of a confidence and a, a bit of a boost so one of my favorite phrases is do it scared it's okay if you're scared for a first date um you can say stupid things a lot, I've said so many stupid things. I was telling someone earlier today that I once uh, believed someone when they were joking that they were a part-time shark dentist um, and I still had a second date. So you can say stupid things. Don't worry about being scared on the date. And if you're scared on the date, just tell them you're nervous, tell them you're feeling awkward or whatever it is. You want someone who's not gonna judge you in that moment, who's gonna comfort you in that moment. And if they aren't, then you already know from the get-go, you don't wanna be on that date. This has been great. This has been great. I have to finish every question with, um asking what has been your most recent train happy moment um i skipped in the gym yesterday i saw the video yeah um i hadn't actually skipped for a really long time because turns out it's really hard to find a gym where the ceilings are actually high enough and every gym i've been in the for the last four months the ceilings have been too low so i finally found a uh, a gym that had a high enough ceiling um, and my top kept coming up and I was like, I just don't care. And like people were staring and like I, someone came in and was like, I'm really sorry, can I get a wait? Um, and was like, oh, you're doing really well. And I, I, it like sparked this thing of like, oh, there would have been a time where I was like, oh, I hated the fact that that guy was watching. And like, obviously it was a nice encouraging comment, but I was like, I still would have hated the fact that he was watching and my top kept coming up. Um, and I just 
didn't and I was just like oh thank you very much and just like he went and got the dumbbell or whatever it was and um yeah I moved on and I was like wow it was one of those moments where I realized how far I'd come because there was a point where like I would have worried so much I would have tucked my top into my um leggings to make sure it didn't ride up and I would have stopped my whole workout for doing that and actually had a worse workout as a consequence um but I just really enjoyed skipping (laughs) I love that you can just get on with it and I think what a sign of growth what a sign of growth um Michelle this has been fantastic where can people find you where can people get the selfish romantic where can they just yeah get more of your dating wisdom so selfish romantic is on in all good bookstores and also online you can get um the kindle version as well if you want that uh I am on instagram tiktok and twitter at michelle l elman and yeah that's about it I've got two other books out as well and you can find them in all the same places fantastic thank you so much thank you happy valentine's happy galentine's everyone happy valentine's it's my favorite day of the year as well is it yeah (laughs) you are you see you're a selfish romantic but you're also just a romantic i am just a romantic yeah (laughs) i think me too i love love yeah i love love happy dating everyone but that is it for this week's episode of the train happy podcast thank you so much for listening I hope you took something away from this episode. And if you did, please do let us know on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Train Happy Podcast. And we do want to hear from you. We want your questions. We want to hear your train happy moments. And we'd love to feature you as Train Happy Trooper of the Week. So remember, you can get in touch with us via our WhatsApp. It is 07599927537. And whatever podcast platform you're choosing to listen to us on, please rate and review. It really helps the show and it really helps spread the train a happy message. And that is it for this week. I'll be back with a brand new episode for you next Monday. See you then. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.